the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Morning, glory, America. Bonjour, high Canada. I'm Hugh Hewitt on this Friday, January 5th. Good morning. For the first time, the Houthis, Iran's proxy on the tip of the Arabian Peninsula, used a so-called suicide boat for the first time in an attack on a Red Sea tanker. It did not get through, but it yet marks another iteration of the attempt to bring a regional war to America's heartland. Every morning I look, first thing I look at, Ellis News Items. Did, did one of our ships get hit by a Houthi short a ship missile or a suicide boat every morning? This morning I read, and I've already posted it, the U.S.-led force in the Red Sea has shot down 19 drones and missiles launched by Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen in less than a month. It's not going to stop. Every day they're coming for us. Heavy fighting in Israel overnight in what is called the Towers area of central Gaza. And yesterday, tensions rising in the Middle East, according to the Washington Post. Beyond Israel, strikes in Lebanon, Iraq, including an American strike in Iraq on a roving Iranian proxy Iraqi terrorist. The IDF is finding tunnels and booby-trapped homes throughout the high-rise section of Gaza. It's going to go on for a long time. But they announced in Israel yesterday, the Israeli Defense Forces, a team of ex-military officers who are going to probe failures that led to the October 7th massacre. It's been 90 days since the immense failure of national security in Israel. An immense failure. 1,200 people butchered in that horrific massacre, the launch of a regional war, which every day could suck us in to what could be the the opening shots of World War IV. We are on the edge, and I, people sometimes forget that. We get caught up, and we I'll talk about this in a minute, because we got an election going on, and we've got the collapse of our elite institutions, but our eye has got to stay on the main thing, which remains right now Israel. All right, Israel, Israel. Nikki Haley, town hall last night, CNN. Let's go to the shortcut of, of just the beginning of Nikki Haley talking about Israel. Cut number uh, 20, I believe it's 28. You know, <clears throat> I'm haunted by what happened on October 7th. And the reason I'm haunted is because five years ago, I gave a speech to the entire world at the U.N. And I told them that we knew there were maps. And these maps were held by Hamas. And it showed that if they could break through the barrier, it was how they were going to kill as many Jews as fast as they could. And it happened. And when you look at the situation that happened, and for anybody that says, why should we care about Israel? And and my opponents have said, it's Israel's issue. No, it's our issue, too. Because she's absolutely right. I'm going to talk about the town halls with Ben Dominich next hour. Ron DeSantis had one last night. Nikki Haley had one last night. Governor Christie had one last night in New Hampshire, which I watched live stream. In reality, one of three Republicans is going to be the nominee. Former President Trump, overwhelmingly likely. Governor DeSantis, Ambassador Haley have shots as well. I live in Republican Switzerland. I don't have a preference. I'm going to support whichever one of them is the nominee fully. And and here's what I posted last night. For those of you who read my longer posts on Twitter, and I'm going to start putting them over, by the way. I'm going to become a contributor at Fox News a couple times a week to put a longer monologue over there, a longer column, so you can sort of set yourself up for this. This is 
we are now on the cusp of election 2024. It's underway. It starts in Iowa a week from Monday. And the GOP, here's the bottom line, right? The GOP has to unite behind whatever nominees we put forward for all federal offices, have to focus on the practical politics of winning elections in the next 10 months, where all of the fierce and deadly challenges from abroad will go unmet and the spiral away from the Constitution at home will continue. Harley is going to show you some B-roll if you're watching on the Salem News Channel. Of all the stuff that's going on, every diversion out there, we've got a thousand different diversions out there. Uh, But the main event has got to stay the main event. Practical politics, meaning rallying behind whomever is our nominee, whether it's Trump or DeSantis or Haley, and nominating Republicans in the states who can win for the Senate races that are crucial, like Dave McCormick is in Israel right now. He's running in Pennsylvania. I don't know who the fine candidates in Ohio is going to be the nominee. Uh, I I hope she is the nominee in Montana. We could win that one. We're going to win West Virginia. We should nominate the one who will be strongest in the Senate. We have to do practical politics for 10 months. Uh, I'm going to give you a daily reminder that Israel, though, is the main event as as, as our election goes on. Israel is the equal of any of our allies in the world. It's locked in an existential battle with many proxies of a depraved and a fanatical enemy which is Iran, which is itself part of a larger alliance led by Xi Jinping and the CCP in China, one that has Putin in the alliance, North Korea, a bunch of bad people that wish us to be gone, not merely weak, but dead. And until recently, our attention was indeed locked onto 10-7. The war began, and only secondarily on the conflict's deeply troubling manifestation in the United States, and it is deeply troubling when we see the violent, uh, virulent, even proud anti-Semitism of the sort in this country we have never seen in the World War II era. And we never saw before because there wasn't mass media before World War II. And the shock of this, the threat to Jews, Jews being afraid, American Jews being afraid, has has really, uh, I think, taken a lot of people and shook them up. Not 9-11 shake up, but close. So our focus is slipping. And I and many other people, including, I think, my favorite commentary podcast, podcast is now commentary podcast. And they spent all of yesterday talking about Claudine Gay and all that she represents and all that Harvard's corruption represents and MIT's and Penn. And that's all interesting. And lots of people are taking victory laps, and that's all good. Folks like Christopher Rupo, uh, deservedly so, get a lot of credit. Folks like the Washington Free Beacon, Beacon did amazing reporting on plagiarism on plagiarism, and that's good. But plagiarism isn't fighting for your life. It's a long-term battle. It's begun. It's got to go on. But the main thing must remain the main thing. And there's a main battle at home, and it's to defend the Constitution. And only judges can do that, and only presidents can nominate, and senators can confirm judges. That means when they're electing a GOP president, no matter what their name is, and a Republican majority in the Senate, no matter what state they're coming from, in 10 months, we, it's an exercise in practical politics, not hunting down plagiarism. Just keep showing those shots, Harley. Uh, this background here is, uh, is, is this big election. We're, we're all going to want to focus on whatever the hot thing is that comes coming out. But what I, what I really want you to understand is we've got to block and tackle because the overarching challenge at home is that the Constitution must be defended, and we need a Republican president and Republican judges to do that. 
And the overarching challenge is that the Constitution, you and me and our kids and our grandkids, must be defended from these foreign enemies. You know, at this moment, young Israelis, 18, 19, 20, are fighting for their lives in Gaza. And it's, a, it's the kind of fight we saw after 9-11 in Afghanistan and Iraq. And it's going to go on for a long time. And that requires a very purposeful, very smart set of candidates and a nominee who will bring with him or her, Trump, DeSantis, Haley, 3,000 political appointees who are lined up ready to go, lined up and ready to go, to take on this alliance of evil states in the world. We need to unequivocally commit the GOP to be a party to, that will rebuild a lethal American military, reestablish a real border, secure a real justice system that has one standard for every citizen and that upholds the long-established constitutional principles of due process and equal protection of the laws and stops being politicized. We need an FBI that is serious about domestic terrorism and about our enemies abroad. Our enemies abroad are determined. Our opponents at home are deeply misguided leftist elites. And beating both those abroad and at home requires practical politics of the sort that marked the 1980 campaign. Four years, divisive, divisive internal fights from 1976 after Jerry Ford lost. My friend Mark Levin always likes to call me a rhino because I was with Ford in 1976. Yeah, I was a Harvard guy from Ohio. Of course, I love Jerry Ford. And he was with Reagan. But I'm no more a rhino than Mark is a, a liberal. But he, we have fun with each other. He's a good and dear old friend. But the deal is, he knows and I know. If you knew anything about political, we can't remember 1964. That's too far ago. We can't remember the campaign of 1968. We know the campaign of 1980 because we're 22. We're 22 years old. And getting back from that, putting the party back together after that is when Reagan reached out to H.W. They brought in James Baker, Ed Meese, Mike Deaver. They brought in all these wonderful young lawyers who are today people like Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Gorsuch. And you've got all this great, Leonard Leo started the Federalist Society. Uh, we have all these amazing people at Justice, Bill Smith, Ed Meese. The team was great. John Lehman came in, rebuilt the Navy. The GOP is going to have quite a battle over the next three months. And whoever emerges, we've just got to support them. We have to win. It's got to be on your mind. Number one, we've got to unify and we've got to win when this is over and we have a nominee, which will probably be by mid-March. And I'm hoping that nominees, I'll tell you after the break, names the entire team. Because we got to tell America, we are serious about all this stuff. But we are mostly serious about saving our children's lives. Stay tuned, I'm Hugh Hewitt. Good morning, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. If you listen to yesterday's program, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, I, I've interviewed him 150 times probably, got an exercise with me because I was drilling in on the fact that he can't win New Hampshire anymore. Pretty obvious. And when he can't win New Hampshire, he's hiding the real choice. Because as I suspected and he confirmed, Donald Trump supporters, some of them do like Chris Christie because of the combativeness. He said, Governor Christie had said on this program, his own polling shows, about 15 percent. Yesterday after that, a new New Hampshire poll came out from political polls showing former President Trump at 37 percent. Nikki Haley at 33%, Governor Christie at 10%, Ron DeSantis at 5%. So it's clear that my theory of the case, and by the way, Vivek's doing the same thing because uh, he gets 4%. Vivek 
and Governor Christie cannot win because you've got to win either Iowa or New Hampshire to move forward with any viability or it's already over. Donald Trump goes one, two, it's done. And and that may very well happen. The numbers sure look like it's going to happen. But Governor Christie and Vivek are hiding the real Republican independent choice in New Hampshire. And I, I, I am appalled that we can't get to a nominee soon because we've got to focus like a laser on supporting Israel. We've got to focus like a laser on restoring real justice in the United States. The politicized DOJ is out of control. And we have to focus like a laser on China, on Russia, on Iran, on rebuilding a lethal military and our border. I was astonished. Secretary Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security, the guy in charge of the border, the most inept of everyone. Eight million people have crossed our border in three years. Eight million people have walked across the United States border, and we don't know where they are. Just imagine the 10 percent of them. Eight hundred thousand are bad guys. And you go with the bell curve. There's a worse bad guy in there, number one. The worst person who crossed over that. And these are the people that we had, quote, encounters with. But, okay, maybe it's only 1% are really terrible. Okay, only 1%. 80,000 terrible people have come into the country in three years. Some of them are from China. Some of them are from Iran. Some of them are terrorists. Some of them are drug dealers. It's just a matter of, of probabilities and numbers. So when you get that, Brett... Barrett has Alexander Mayorkas on last night, and I'm just, my jaw is dropping. Let's play the first cut I told you about, Mayorkas with Brett Baer last night. Would it be surprised you to hear that CBP sources say that currently they are releasing more than 70% of the migrants crossing every day, and sometimes more than that number, higher than 70%. Would that surprise you? It would not, uh, it would not surprise me at all. I know the data. And I will tell you that when individuals... I just thought, 70% of 8 million people are wandering around the United States. 70%. Let's go to the second thing Mallorca said. Why are they coming here? Cut number 24. So when you see migrants coming across the border on Monday, and then there are images of them in Chicago, L.A., New York on Thursday... You don't think that that transportation and release into the country is a magnet, that the catch and release policy is a magnet? Oh, I will tell you uh, what I think is a magnet, Brett, and it's a function of our broken system. And this I have experienced in my government service well before 2009 when I first joined the Department of Homeland Security. What is a magnet is the fact that the time in between an encounter of an individual at the border and their final ruling in their immigration case can sometimes take six or more years. That is a magnet, which is that is the endless magnet. It's broken. The federal government is broken and it doesn't have to be broken. And our nominee has to put forward, I'm going to pick X, Y, or Z to run Homeland Security, and they're going to clear the decks. They're sending everyone to Texas, Arizona, New Mexico. We're going to set up uh, immigration courts along the border. We're going to dispose of these cases. We're going to build detention centers. We are not letting people through. We're going to finish the wall. And we're going to go find the folks that came in, and we're going to beef up the FBI, and we're going to get them out of Latin mass churches, and we're going to stop them from going after parents who are mad at school boards, and we're going to send them after Chinese spies, Russian spies and drug cartels. And we're going to get serious. Someone like Joni Ernst is going to got to go over to Homeland Security, a longtime National Guardsman uh, who knows how to do this. You, you go 
get Joni Ernst and ask her to make Kurt Schlichter her deputy or something like that. And you say, we just practically stop this. Find, investigate, expel. Find, investigate, expel. We are, we, this is all a choice. America is making a series of choices. And the Republicans have to stay focused, right? They have to stay focused. They cannot go off script and get into intramural debates about whether or not they like Donald Trump because he's likely to be the nominee, or if he's not the nominee, he should have been the nominee. When it's over, it's over. We're going to swing behind whomever the nominee is because it's 3,000 appointees, not one. The president's the most important, obviously. But it's 3,000 people. It's all the judges. It's saving the Constitution. It's getting the government to work in because we cannot do this for four more years. We can't do another Afghanistan. We cannot let Putin wander around the world. We can't let China take Taiwan. We can't let Israel fight for its life against Iran, all of its proxies. We cannot practice the politics of appeasement in the Red Sea. We can't allow America's higher education institutions to continue to indoctrinate and lower education K-12 to fail. We can't do any of that. None of it. And so, this is the first of many times, and I tell you, it's about winning. First, you have to win, or the entire country loses. Republicans have to win for you, your kids, and your grandchildren, and their grandchildren. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Stay tuned. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. New Hampshire Journal. I, I, I read every morning. I, I First, I read news items from John Ellis, and I check from New Hampshire Journal what's going on in New Hampshire. And last night... Uh, the editor there, and I know Mike. Christie is not going gentle into that good night. And the article from the New Hampshire Journal, uh, one of the town hall voters asked him exactly what I did. Uh, if you got to choose between Biden and Trump, who are you going to vote for? That's not hard. I'm voting for Trump. That's not hard. We cannot have this ancient man who is not really running the country, not run the country for four more years, surrounded by appeasers and hard-left ideologues. We can't do it. A presidency is 3,000 people. Its longest-lived legacy are the judges it puts on. We must elect Donald Trump if he's the nominee. Now, I say out of the nomination, right, this whole audience, you of all the crosstabs that we did for the whole lineup of all the people that I work with, you know, I, I'm on in Greenville, and, and uh, happy to have the new affiliate down there in Greenville. You listen to a lot of our folks down there. And uh, all I hear him tell you is, I'm the only show that just represents everybody. Every Republican and independents and many Democrats listen to me in the morning because I do the news and I tell you what's going on. And so last night, he got asked about who he would be supporting if, if it's 
Biden and Trump. And he said, not either of them. Trump is not fit to be president and Biden is infirm. Something like that. Very much what I say all the time. And the the questioner did what I did. Well, he, that's not choosing. He said, well, maybe someone will show up on the third party. And the guy said, Robert Kennedy said, no, he's nuts. And so Chris Christie's not, he said, he's hoping for wish upon a star. He's not going to win. Vivek's not going to win. One of three people are going to win, and I will support them full-throatedly and realize you've got two, too. It's 3,000 appointees. It's the direction of the country. It's the future of the Pentagon. It's the future of the CIA. It's the future of the FBI. It's the future of the Department of Education. It's the Secretary of State. It's the Attorney General. And I'm thinking through, I'm not in charge of the transition. I don't work for Donald Trump, but he will be much, much better at this on personnel than he was the first time, because you always get better. Haley was very good last night. DeSantis was very good last night. There are three great candidates there. All of them are competitive. It it could go. If DeSantis can win in Iowa, he can get a trampoline, make it a two-person race. If Nikki Haley can win in New Hampshire, she can get a trampoline, make it a two-person race. But the overwhelming likelihood is former President Trump. And he's, he's just been beset, besieged by... Every conceivable, I don't think he should have been impeached the second time. He had nothing to do with the riot in the Hill. He had a rally. He told them to be peaceful. They didn't bring the charge. It's a made-up charge in D.C. The papers have not been treated the same at Mar-a-Lago as they've been treated in Delaware. It's two standards of justice. This Colorado Supreme Court and this main Secretary of State is the collapse of the rule of law. It just simply, the Supreme Court has got to take it and knock it down immediately. The Article three of the 14th Amendment is intended specifically to deal with the Confederacy. It's got no applicability. They, they did pass a law that could be applied to Donald Trump if there were any facts to support it, but there aren't, and Jack Smith can't make that case up. And so it's all nonsense. And I guess Republicans are afraid of saying it's all nonsense with the possible expectation exception of obstruction of justice. And I haven't even seen the president's defense yet. And we're not going to see it before the election. So he's not going to be convicted by a real jury outside of D.C. on anything. So it's all hypothetical. You've got to make a choice. You have to choose. You have to start thinking about it. You might not like Donald Trump at all. And you may love him and your, your, your vote isn't moving. But if you don't like him, I'm talking to you. We can't live through another four years of this. Okay, so if we did 8 million in three years, how many people will come across that border? And do you think the Iranians don't notice this? You think Hamas, which can build tunnel networks, and and Hezbollah, which can build tunnel networks, haven't figured out that they can get in touch with people in Venezuela, their buddies in Venezuela, and march folks up through the Darien Gap, 560,000 of whom came up last year through the Darien Gap in the United States, and put sleeper cells here, and our FBI is running around chasing traditionalist Catholics and parents at school boards? Do you, do you know how un- fundamentally unserious the Biden administration is? It's full of, it's full of crazy people. It, it, you think Claudine Gay is bad at Harvard and the president of Penn and the president of MIT, the, the little glimmers that you've seen. It's just tempting to sit here and say, this is, there's rot everywhere. There is rot. The New York Times is ruined. It's just a ruined place. You, you can't trust but a half dozen of the reporters, you can't read any of their editorials. It's nuts. That's why FoxNews.com is soaring up. That's why I'm going to split my time now writing between the Washington Post and FoxNews.com. It's because I've got it. I've got to rally the base. I've been a missionary for a long time. 
Right? There are two kinds of Republicans who show up in mainstream media, missionaries and refugees. I'm not a refugee. I'm a Republican. And I, I've been out there in any green room. I don't do it as much anymore because, you know, I'm doing an early show and my new show matters and the podcast is going everywhere and people listen to it. So I'd rather focus on this. I'll do Brett Bear. I'll talk to Dana Perino once in a while. Sit down with Brian. Kill, kill me. But I don't. I, I, I'll do Meet the Press occasionally with Kristen. I like Kristen a lot. Thinks she's a good reporter. But generally, I want to talk to you, and you need to forward the podcast to other people. That's what I'm asking you to do. Highly Concentrated Hue is free. It's uh, 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes every day. You've got to get everyone to listen to it. We've got to get the Republicans energized in every rate. We've got to nominate Tim Sheehy in Montana. We have to win Montana. We have to get behind Kerry Lake in Arizona. Right? We have to. We have to win Arizona. It's going to be a three-way race, and Kerry Lake can win. We've got to get behind whomever is nominated in Ohio, and there are three great candidates in Ohio right now. I'm going to do a couple of debates for them, moderate, because everybody trusts me. I'm fair to everybody, and I'm not endorsing anyone there. We've got to get behind Dave McCormick in Pennsylvania. We're going to win West Virginia. I think Governor Justice is going to be the nominee, but but I, I'm not involved. I don't endorse in that. So we've got five pickups. There might be a sixth in Nevada. Got to get the Senate back under Republican control so that we can confirm judges. Got to do it. And we've got to have control of the Department of Defense and the Attorney General's office and the Secretary of State. And one of the things that has become abundantly clear over the last five years is that Democrats never leave when they lose and Republicans never arrive when we win. I want to repeat that for you. Democrats never leave when they lose. They are burrowed in. They are the permanent administrative state. That's why Donald Trump was ambushed before he took the oath of office by James Comey, by John Brennan, and by James Clapper. And the whole dossier, Russia, 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 got started that ate up his administration. That's why you don't bring in a Rod Rosenberg. God bless him. Uh, you know, nice career people don't know what to do with, with ideological core people. You've got to sweep a big broom. Legally, you can do it. I ran OPM. I was the director of the United States Office of Personnel Management under Ronald Reagan. I was its general counsel and deputy director before that. I was confirmed by the Senate 100 to nothing for the deputy director job. I know what you can and cannot do. And you know one thing you can do? You can always move people to go take a job at the border. You can walk into the most ideological person in any department and say, you're going down and you're going to help the Border Patrol process these people. Oh, I'm a GS-14. I can't do that. Pack your bags. You're going to clean out lavatories because when we hire you for a position, it doesn't mean and other duties as assigned. And we got to kill off DEI wherever it is. It's unconstitutional. We have to treat people as individuals, regardless of their race, ethnicity and gender. We have to prosecute assault. We have to return order to the streets. We, we really have to do a lot. We cannot lose. So when someone said, I can't take it anymore, I, I, I just don't like Donald Trump. So do you like living free? Last night in New Hampshire, former Governor Christie, I like Chris Christie. That's the first argument I've had with him in, I don't know, six years. But we're, this, is, this is short stroke stuff. Everyone has had a chance to make their case. I went down last summer, I saw Governor Christie making his case. He had a bump for a while, and that bump moved to Nikki Haley. He's not going to win New Hampshire. It's a wasted vote. I heard a guy stand up last night and say, I, I voted for Bernie Sanders, I'm voting for you now. And then he made up stuff about people making up stuff about January 6th. January 6th was a riot. It was terrible. It says nothing about the country. 
George Floyd, his murder was terrible. It says nothing about 99% about police. The riots that followed told us a lot about what we will and will not prosecute. And the meltdown on the very basic question of anti-Semitism in America, it's evil. Right? If you hate Jews, you are very deeply broken. Right? You are depraved. And I listened to commentary yesterday, and it's a great podcast, by the way, every single day. It's, it's um, Christine Rosen, their, their culture critic, Matt Cottenney, one of the smartest guys in America. He's like the next George Will. He'll be around for 40 years doing this stuff. I got a decade left, maybe 15. He's got 40. 50. John Potterworth, who knows more than I forgot last night. Abe Greenwald, who's just, I haven't heard Abe much until I've always read his stuff, but he's really very, very good. And then you have the uh, the other half of Bethany Mandel, Seth Mandel, who's really very, very well informed. And these five folks sit around and talk politics and talk culture. And, they, and it's you should subscribe and you should listen to Commentary Podcast. Yesterday, I spent the entire hour. They did not talk about the war in Israel. They did not talk about anti-Semitism. They talked about Claudine Gay and how... It's a fake. It's a ruse. She's not really an academic. She's part of the industry, the education industry. And they're right. We cannot spend an hour of precious time on that stuff. Chris Rufo on online yesterday, um, hailing what had happened and rightly praising the free beacon and himself for their work. That's great. Fine plagiarism. You go off on plagiarism hunt. That's not going to win the war that we're in. It's not going to stop China. It's not going to get our recruitment goals back up. It's not going to deter and keep our children safe. It's not going to stop fentanyl from coming into the country and killing people. It's not going to stop 8 million people. We need a serious director of Homeland Security. So whenever we have a nominee, and I think it'll be over by Super Tuesday, I'm going to beg them day in and day out, name your team. Let the American people contrast. If you're going to send Dan Sullivan or Joni Ernst, for example, to Homeland Security. Let them go out. You can say it's going to be either them or them. It does not violate any law. You're running an administration. An administration has 3,000 appointees. Name your list of judges who are going to be on the Supreme Court and district court judges who are going to go up and become appellate court judges because we've got to stop crazy state courts like Colorado and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin where we are having a hardcore group of left-wing elites who can't get their head out of the sand to look at the world destroy our ability to save ourselves, and we've got to rally around whoever the nominee is. I'll be right back. America, don't go anywhere. It's Hugh Hewitt on a Friday, a week away from Iowa. It's amazing. Ten days we vote in Iowa. We're off to the race to state Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt on this Friday. Bolton arrived from news items. And I tell you, I read news items every day. It's one of the uh, three pub stacks I subscribe to. I subscribe to uh, the Free Press by Barry Weiss, news items from John Ellis, and, and our friend Phil Balboni's The Daily Chatter. That's international news. And I, I just can't trust the papers of record anymore because they don't tell you enough or fast enough. So late bulletin via the Telegraph in New Kingdom and the NBER research paper, Emergency lending by the U.S. federal authorities has bathed America's struggling regional banks in short-term liquidity, disguising the slow burn damage of the U.S. commercial property slump. A sobering analysis by four of the country's leading finance experts says this comfort blanket has created a beguiling illusion of stability. The underlying crisis in the banking system continues to deepen 
as $5 trillion of commercial and real estate debt taken out during the zero interest era comes due in tranches. Quote, it's not a liquidity problem. It's a solvency problem, said Professor Tomasz Piskorski, a banking specialist at Columbia University and one of the lead authors. Temporary measures have calmed the market, but half of all U.S. banks are running short of deposits with assets worth less than their liabilities, and we're talking about $9 trillion. Right, that's a wake-up call. So it could be a bumpy year, and these bozos like Elizabeth Warren and the ideologues who are running the banking system for Joe Biden, who's not running anything, except, um, I don't even know, he doesn't run anywhere, he can't run. The president is infirm. His appointees don't know what to do, except print more money. Now, Jerome Powell knows that starts inflation, and they're begging for interest rates. Donald Trump's got to bring in a new Fed chairman, he said he would. He's got to bring in a new Treasury person. Maybe Mnuchin comes back. He was very good at this. They know who works. But if you're going to have, if you're going to have another 2008 with this team, on top of, of their appeasement of China and, and Iran, it's a nightmare. But I, I return to my overarching and continuing. we got so much to do that, okay, the primary season is going to be brutal. This is a brutal two months. This is Ollie Frazier. Hitting hard, hitting low, hitting below the belt, hitting above the belt. I'll talk with Ben Dominich about it. There's a war going on. We could wait. There could be a ship under fire as we speak. The Houthis get off one lucky shot because the appeasers running our Department of Defense. Israel's locking hand-to-hand combat with these depraved terrorists. And it's been going on for 90 days. The world is a grim place. But we can't. And yet we can focus on the Iowa school shooter yesterday. We have crazy kids running around the country with shotguns. And uh, I don't know anything about the crazy kid, but it's another mental health case. It's not a gun issue. It's, it's crazy kids that we won't do anything about in Iowa. Perry Middle School and High School. One student dead, I think. I don't know what the final count is, not counting the killer, who's deeply, deeply disturbed. We won't find anything about it because it's going to be uh, sexual, sexual identity related, and therefore we're going to cover it up. But the mental health crisis among kids is extraordinary. Take the phones out of schools. We've got to have a serious Secretary of Education. I mean, a really serious Secretary of Education who will stop anti-Semitism and, and harden schools. we got to do all that. These are serious conversations. We need serious candidates, and we have to, we have to win. I am Hugh Hewitt, live. I'm glad to have you here on this January 5th. Dr. Larry Arn will be up next hour at the Hillsdale Dialogue. All things Hillsdale are collected at Hugh4Hillsdale.com. All things Hillsdale at Hillsdale.edu. And I want to focus on Hillsdale for a second. Much of the conversation on the commentary podcast yesterday is what do we do about higher ed? It's corrupt. It's failed. It's not education. It's bureaucracy. How do we save the Ivy League? How do we save the big universities that, that don't know how to deal with assault and battery against Jewish kids? And I began thinking, I was up way too late last night thinking about this. We really can't save them. We don't have enough time. We have to replace them. How do you replace an institution like Harvard that was started in 1636? Well, you can, under a Trump, DeSantis, or Haley administration, put serious people over at the Department of Education. You can drag Dr. Larry Arn kicking and screaming out of Hillsdale and make him be the Secretary of Education for four years. And you can hire the very best lawyer in the country to run the Office of Civil Rights at the Department of Education. Bring They should have brought an education investigation against Michigan yesterday, 
where Jewish students were called kikes and other slanders, and it was explained away as acceptable free speech. It's not. It's assault. And you can shut these people down. You can take their money. You can tax their endowments. But what do you do about education? One thing is that you focus young Americans, 18 to 22, those who are physically fit, on going into the military, earning their college money, and not going into debt by going to college at the age of 22 and not 18. You steer them towards great state universities that are not politicized. Recently, the Ohio State University hired the former superintendent of the Naval Academy, an aviator, a stud, who will kick that place into shape in a hurry. And, and you identify and you, and you begin to detach yourself. Parents of America, your kids don't have to get the network benefits. There, are, there were network benefits to going to Harvard in the 70s, the 80s, and 90s. I think they're reversed now. But mostly you have to replace them. Now, I got an email last night. I was going to talk to Ben Dominich about this, but Ben was in the ER last night with a baby. I know that drill. Luckily, we came within 15 seconds of an ER trip last night as Genghis Kate slammed the door, which we never do. You know, she's very good about that. As T-Rex Teddy charged behind her and T-Rex Teddy's fingers and hand, and I was a little slow, I was a little slow. I am I'm determined in long distance, but I just can't sprint light like that within inches of the ER for broken hand on a toddler. So I, I understand, Ben, don't worry about it. But I, I was thinking, what do we replace them with? And we don't need to renew and revitalize the Ivy League so much as to empty it out top to bottom and sue them into oblivion until they stop discriminating on the basis of race, ethnicity, gender, and especially religion, and violating every title of the education code, we need to elevate a league of excellence. Now, there are a lot of excellent schools. I think Hillsdale is the best university in the country. Hillsdale College is the best university in the college, uh, the best college in the United States right now. But there are other good ones. There's Colorado Christian University. There's Benedictine. My friend Matt Tynan car dealer in, in Denver, great man, great kids. When I taught for Bill Armstrong at Colorado Christian University for a semester, because the late Senator Armstrong asked me to go over there and teach kids for a semester, I had a great time. I love Chapman, another great university, led by another great free speech man, um, Daniele Stupa. Uh, the, the Eric Hogue took over CCU. We've got Biola and Barry Corey. We've got Gordon in Massachusetts. We've got Grove City. We've got Baylor. We've got Pepperdine. We've got a league of great institutions. We have to persuade America's money people that the buildings they want their names on should be at campuses that they will be proud of in 100 years, not afraid to, to be associated with. America's money people have to take a deep breath and say, I'm going to build the new science center at Hillsdale. I don't want a science center. Well, yeah, you do. I, I, that's what we got to do. We, we've got to go and, and say to Benedictine, we need you to double your enrollment because you're serious. We need you to go to, I think Fordham could be serious again. Some of the Jesuit universities are lost, uh, and I, I don't think they'll come back, and I don't know why they abandoned their mission. But you need to put someone at Ed in the next administration to both combat the disease 
and to find the good and praise it. Lamar Alexander uh, was a great secretary of education, great senator from Tennessee. Uh, He's not coming around for a third term. But yes, Lamar in 1996, I was all in for Lamar Alexander in 1996. Would have been a great president. He always quoted Alex Haley, the the late novelist who wrote Roots, great African-American writer, whose tombstone says, find the good and praise it. And so you find a secretary of education who will find the good schools in America and praise it and find the good public school systems and praise it and, and fire the people who are destroying and indoctrinating kids. I mean, just fire them. Break the contracts. You've got to get involved in local school politics. But first, you must win elections. Yesterday, Chris Rufo, who is a brilliant man and very, very necessary for the next 30 years, posted a victory lap on Claudine Gay. And I I think that's great. But you know what? It's not great. Because the problem isn't Claudine Gay. The problem is anti-Semitism. She is a problem. She did plagiarize. She is gone. They're going to just hire another DEI person because Penny Pritzker isn't gone and the Harvard Corporation had been sued by OCE. But we are we took our we took our eye off the ball. The problem is people hate Jews in America. That's a problem. I've never dealt with this before except on the far right. And that's small. This is huge. It's everywhere. It's in every city. It's on many campuses. And so you need a leader to explain it's evil. If you hate Jews, your soul is broken. You don't have to hate Muslims in return. You, don't, you, you can honor everyone. It's the constitutional tradition. It's the free exercise clause. But you've got to absolutely be willing to go out there and make the argument about what's good and what's bad and what we hold up. And we've got to elevate a league of excellence. And go find someone who will call up Eric Hogue, president of Colorado Christian University, and say, Eric, I need to give you $100 million to build three new buildings so you can double your residential capacity and double your classroom capacity and go hire some of Al Mohler's graduates to teach the real deal, how to live a good life. That's what college is about. Skills, yes. But the part that I loved about commentary, is, I think it was Christine uh, who said it, I'm not sure. We don't need any more communication majors. We don't need any more management majors. You can get that in the real world. We need people who can understand what is good and what is evil and why. We need people to understand history. We need to be uh, right now. How many people have read Sleepwalkers by Sir Kenneth Clark out there? Maybe five. And I don't expect Iran gets Sleepwalkers. It's how we slept walk into World War One and no idea it was coming. That's why we spend so much time on the Hillsdale dialogue. That's why Hillsdale's got too many. They can't take one in five kids anymore. And, the, and they're, they're off the chart. They have network effects. They are an Ivy League. They are running the country. They are a center of influence. They are a center of excellence. There can be others. Grove City is very good. Science is a Cedarville. Cedarville. Super. Super school. We can find them. We can praise them. And the people with money have to give them money. You have to build the buildings there. If you wanted to make an impact on America for the next 100 years, we got to get through the crisis. we got to win elections. And this is a crisis. 1980 is on my mind. We had a time for choosing in 1980. Bill Simon wrote the book, and you had to pick Carter or Reagan. And Reagan was scary. Right? I, I was a little bit afraid of Reagan. I was a Ford guy. That's why Mark Levin always gives me a, a friendly hard time calling me a rhino. I'm no more a rhino. I, I'm a constitutionalist, and, and so is Mark. 
and we revere it. We, we, we know what the Colorado Supreme Court did is wrong. We know what the Maine Secretary of State did is unconstitutional. We know that. We know that the six justices are going to do a lot to save this country in the next 10 years, but we got to go faster. And we need to find people who will say, and go to Larry, Larry, here's a billion dollars. I happen to be, if you're Peter Thiel, I happen to have $50 billion, and I want Thiel Campus Hillsdale in Tennessee. I want, and we got to go to education-free states, not union-driven states. And I want Hillsdale Part 3 in Texas, and I want Hillsdale Part 4 in Florida. I want it to be called the Teal This and the Teal That, and I want people to know I cared about this country. And we need Elon Musk to do that for STEM stuff. We need our billionaires to put the money where the excellence is, not try and repair what has failed. I'll be right back. Stay tuned. America. That is the Israeli opera singing a time for us in Arabic, Hebrew, and English. It's on YouTube, and it's inspiring as can be. And I start this segment with Sarah Bedford from the Washington Examiner, because the main thread, Sarah, has to stay the main thread. The war in Israel and in the United States, the border. But I wonder, had you heard that yet? I hadn't. That was beautiful. Thank you. I, I try it out on people, and, and David Friedman, the former American ambassador to Israel, posted it yesterday. It's at YouTube, and everybody has the same reaction. They say, wow, and it's in Arabic, Hebrew, and English. It's wonderful. Now I want to turn to the border, which is not beautiful. Mayorkas on Brett Baer last night, six years to a hearing, uh, 70% uh, turn loose, and he's unashamed. Is this what's going on on the Hill? People just say we can't do anything about it? Yeah, I mean, there's a real defeatist attitude in the White House. And not only that, there's this kind of new rhetorical shift from the Democrats in the White House to blame somehow Republicans for the border, that Republicans are blocking funding for Asians. It's a it's a resource problem and Republicans are the cause of it. I'm not sure that most people are buying that because you know, it's pretty obvious that it's the Biden administration's policies and approach towards handling asylum applicants and and letting people, you know, go anywhere in the country, sending them north if they want to go there. So I think it's, it's very obvious that the Biden administration caused this problem. But there's been absolutely no effort to to accept any responsibility for that. And now we're even seeing some of the blame trying to be shifted onto Republicans. Uh, Sarah, when I went on with Brett last week, it took me an hour and a half to find real numbers that I could say confidently that 8 million encounters have occurred with illegal aliens entering the United States through ports of entry or over the border in the three years under Joe Biden. And I can now say that confidently. It was around 790. It doesn't count getaways. Why is it so hard to find the basic facts of the the size of the problem relative to what it was? It dwarfs anything we've ever seen. Because the Biden administration is intentionally trying to obscure how bad it is. I mean, part of what you hear the Biden administration saying is that when people come into the United States, they're immediately put into deportation proceedings. 
Well, that's not really true, right? They're given a notice to appear maybe years in the future and sent on their way. Many of them will never show up and they'll never be removed. I mean, the Biden administration is fighting to ensure that they get work permits and government benefits and housing as soon as possible. There's no incentive for them to leave. And the deportation system is is so backed up that to be placed in deportation proceedings, which is how the Biden administration claims they're handling a lot of these migrants that are being let out into the U.S., is to essentially just give them a green light to go ahead and start setting up their lives here. Can you, Sarah, I'm not your editor. God knows you probably have too many. Will somebody please do, someone like you knows what they're talking about, a fact sheet that just says by year, by calendar year and by fiscal year, these are the number of encounters, these are the number of people who entered, the people that we guess got away, the number of border patrol, the number of judges, the number of proceedings that are open, just so we can have a fact sec to agree and then go back 10 years. Because I, I don't think Americans have any idea on the scale, do you? No, I don't think they do. I I think that, you know, there's all the excuses that you hear from the Biden administration. It's climate change. It's unrest in Central America. It's irregular migration patterns that are driven by weather and gang activity. None of those can explain the absolute, like you mentioned, sheer scale of what we're seeing. It's like nothing we've ever seen before. It's nothing like during the Trump administration. There's been comparisons to, well, you know, migration was heavier during the summer and the fall during the Trump administration. And so it is with the Biden administration. It's nothing like the order of magnitude that we're seeing now. And there's a lot of intentional um, deception about what that looks like. I would love that story. I, would, I think it would get wheels and would travel everywhere, Sarah, because you have credibility and we're beyond there. So, yeah, I know you're busy, but I, I just we spend a lot of time talking about you know negotiations that we can't see. But I'd love to have numbers that we can rely on. Sarah C. Bedford on X. Thank you, my friend. Thanks to the Israeli opera. Uh, Go get Highly Concentrated Hue today and send it to everyone. It was something of a rant by me trying to remind Republicans, independents and Democrats. The main thing has to be the main thing. There are people and forces trying to destroy America and Israel and our allies in the world. And there are out of control ideologues running the Democratic Party and the GOP has to win this election. So whomever the nominee is, Trump or DeSantis or Haley, we have to rally to him or her and the 3000 people they will bring with them. We have Generalissimo, it's also time to remind people who did not start their New Year's resolution or did and have already failed and it involved losing weight that our sponsor, MyPhDWeightLoss.com, which can be found at MyPhDWeightLoss.com, 864-644-1900. That's 864-644-1900. You know, that number came up last night. Uh, Ohio State, through the portal, picked up a... A great quarterback from Kansas State. He'll be a take him to the national championship. Until and, the Browns take him. Uh, he's playing in college. He's got one more year because well, of COVID. The Browns are going to need him after this next week. After, well, no, we're, start, we're not even starting Joe Flacco this week. No. So, anyway, um, Stephen Means is a great host. Nathan Baird is a great host. And they got a young guy who's, who's doing well. And But they still insist on saying, if you, if you love Buckeye talk, call blah, 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 blah. And they, I have no idea. I don't know how I ever got subscribed, but you have to do 864-644-1900. That's 864-644-1900. So that people who actually want to lose 50 pounds or more and keep it off or less uh, for a year, like Dwayne lost 50 and kept it off for now 15 months, can call 864-644. What was that? 
You you didn't finish. Yeah, but you burped. No, I didn't. 864 644 1900. Yes. That that'll get you that'll get back on the track. It doesn't matter if you miss the first 5 days. Go to myphdweightloss.com. Welcome back America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Once a month I ask Philip Balboni to join me. He's the founder and editor in chief of the Daily Chatter. And you get the Daily Chatter in your newsletter every mail every morning if you subscribe to it. And I'm going to have Philip tell you about how you get it for free if you're a teacher or a kid in school. But I read it every day because I can no longer count on the world's major newspapers covering the world. And so we got stories this morning. I'm going to focus on on Malaysia and Argentina, but we got stories, of course, on Bangladesh, on Serbia, on Ukraine with maps. Philip, it's really every time I have you on, I just want to start by saying I I love this so much. And you've done such a great service for people. Would you tell people, remind people, and I have no interest in this. You're not an advertiser. I'm not an investor. I just want people to know the world when it started, how it started, and how high school and college students and their teachers can use it. Sure. 2016, um, March of 2016, we started Daily Chatter with literally no subscribers. Today, we have almost 400,000 in the United States and around the world. Uh, We publish five days a week. Um, We cover 150 countries every year. We really try to... um, dip into every single region, Asia, South America, Middle East, of course, Europe, uh, uh, Africa. And uh, we try to help people know these countries better, the important things that are happening there. Um, That's our mission, is to help Americans especially be better informed about the world. I mean, you know, we wake up every morning and we see what's what's happening in Gaza or Ukraine and so many other places that people know even less about. Um, and that's what we that's what we do. And uh, about five years ago, I started giving free subscriptions to students um, that we now have about 11,000 uh, students at more than 700 schools, both colleges and universities and high schools. It's one of the proudest things I've ever done is to help these young people know the world better. We have plans to expand the program this year. Um, so I really appreciate you mentioning it. Uh, every time we talk, uh, more young people sign up. Um, it's a great thing. If there's a Thank teacher you. driving to school right now and they, they, they get intrigued, I mean, it's a lesson plan in a can as well. If you just took out the daily chatter, and you said to your students, we're going to let's get the globe. We're going to put the globe up front. Then we're going to use these wonderful graphics and we're going to go through each of these five stories. Their class will leave their students interested, indeed, mesmerized and aware of the world. Do teachers get in touch with you? I mean, it could be ninth grade. It could be 10th. It could be eighth grade. They do. We actually uh, were an important part of a nationwide uh, competition among high school students, um, that uh, the winners would go to Washington, um, you know, for activities there. But uh, one of the things I'm hoping to do this year is to develop a model curriculum that we could give for free to teachers that they could use in the classroom. Um, We hope to do that. Where do they find that? If they go to dailychatter.com, where's the I'm a teacher, I'm a student button, Phil? Because I get it in my newsletter. I get my email. Right. There's a, um, a little thing in the navigation that says university. Um, 
and they just click on that, and it's very easy to follow the prompts to how to sign up. Uh, All right, now let's just take a minute. Put in your. You mentioned almost any American be smart on Israel, on Ukraine, and on um, places that we see in the news every day. I'm going to pick two that are in different categories. Argentina, someone may have heard something's going on on, and then Bangladesh, they have no idea what's going on. So first, set up set up Malay in Argentina and why it matters. Well, Argentina is uh, one of the most important countries in the Americas. Uh, uh, large population, 40, 50 million people, um, beautiful country. But for decades now, they have been mired in debt and, you know, tremendous inflation. I mean, we worried about our, you know, single digit inflation. In Argentina, they're facing triple digit inflation, meaning over 100 percent. They have a new president elected overwhelmingly by the people there. Um He's an unusual man. Uh, Some have compared him to Donald Trump. Uh, um, He uh, has very strong ideas. He's begun to implement his program. He wants to privatize a lot of companies. Um, He wants to, uh, you know, trim down the government, um, eliminate some taxes. Um, I mean, he has lots of plans. Uh, So it's a country that um, I think a lot of Americans have, have been to uh, Argentina. Uh, it's It bears um, watching to see how this man who was overwhelmingly elected by the people who are deeply frustrated by years of mismanagement by um, both of the major parties. Um, Mr. Malai, Javier Malai, is, uh, came from pretty much out of nowhere. He was a TV uh, personality, and uh, but uh, people liked him, particularly young people, and We'll see how he does. Um, now, I, I want to point out in, in four paragraphs or three pages and five paragraphs, you lay out the background. I did not know that his, his he took an axe to the regulata- regulations when he got into office. He cut 350 regulations yeah. about labor. And I, I knew that, but I did not know that a court had frozen it until this morning. So we have a sort of mini replication of what the main secretary of state did in the United States this week which was to act to stop a popularly elected person from doing what he got elected to do. And I did not know that until I read the Daily Chatter this morning. And you give the names. I mean, it's not you're not criticizing the judge. You're just letting us know uh, Malay didn't get what he wanted because it's been stopped. Right, exactly. And we are I I should have mentioned we are completely nonpartisan. We don't have a political leaning one way or the other. We just try to do it. I guess I'd like to say the old-fashioned way, which is tell people what is happening. And I love that. Let's go now to Bangladesh. I know so little about Bangladesh. I've never been there. I know it was originally East Pakistan when India was uh, divided in 1948. There became Pakistan, both East and West, and India. And then Bangladesh revolted from West Pakistan, became East Pakistan. And that's pretty much where... It stops for me, except they have typhoons and, and terrible exposure to global warming, and they've got uh, famine, and they've got instability. I learned more this morning about Pakistan than I know. Why did you write it up today? Because they have an election on Sunday. So 2024 is the year of elections. 65 countries will have elections in 2024. Half of the world's population, more than 4 billion people, will be able to vote. 
It just so happens that Bangladesh is number one on that long list of elections, which, of course, includes our own here in the United States. Russia will have an election. The outcome there is not in doubt. Neither is the outcome in Bangladesh. Prime Minister Sheikh Hassan, who is the daughter of the founding father of Bangladesh, um, is almost certain to be reelected to her fourth term in office. Why is Bangladesh important? Well, uh, it's the eighth largest country in the world. Uh, it's the third largest Muslim majority country. Um, one of the world's biggest exporters of textiles. About 80% of their export, export earnings come from textiles. Um, but like so many other countries in this region, it's become kind of a you know, battleground between China, uh, the U.S., and of course China and India have a big competition going on. And Bangladesh is just to the east of, of, um, of India. Um, and China is, is, has a lot of influence there and uh, is trying to have more. Um, it's also a great, they have a whole coastline on the Indian Ocean, and China would like to have uh, more ports on the Indian Ocean. And that is very large. And the finger's on the point there. Now, we do have enough time to do Malaysia. I didn't know that we would, but I'm going to throw it in. Malaysia has taken a position that is anti-Israel. Uh, did they ever say anything about the Uyghur genocide, by the way, Phil Balboni? I, I don't remember Malaysia being very vocal about China's imprisonment of a million Uyghurs. I'm, 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 I'm sure they were not. I'm sure they were not. And, uh, um, yeah, uh, I mean, it's not a surprise. Uh, Malaysia is another Muslim-majority country. Uh, and like Pakistan and Bangladesh, um, so their position on the conflict in Gaza is pretty much to be expected. And uh, there was a boycott of McDonald's um, in uh, Malaysia that uh, was particularly pointed out in our story this morning. Uh, I mean, we could probably write 10 more stories like this uh, about the impact of the war in Gaza in various countries and how people are positioning there. Um, and, and I want to put a cap on it, Philip, this way. We've covered more about Argentina, Bangladesh, and Malaysia in five minutes than everyone in the United States will hear on the network news tonight. And I did it with you because you put that in my newsletter this morning. And if teachers do that, Americans won't be so stupid about the world. And I mean, we're not really, we didn't used to be this way, right? We used to actually know the world, but no, there, was, there was a lot less to the world. Well, and the me there's very little reporting on the world, as you already said, on television. But even in other um, newspapers online, there's not much international. That's really why I'm doing this, is to try to bring back some awareness of what's happening in the world. We need to know. Young people need to know. Older people need to know. We all need to know. It affects us. Philip Balboni, dailychatter.com. Thank you. We'll check in again next month. If you're a teacher or a student, go to dailychatter.com. Hit the university button on the navigation bar and get a free subscription and get it every morning. And your class is taught for you. Every single day, your class is taught for you. What more can I give you than that? Philip is giving you that. And if you want to be smart about the world and you can't afford five newspapers like I do for my business, get the Daily Chatter. Thank you, Philip Balboni. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.